All right, Alexander, we have a meeting in Moscow taking place between Russia and Syria, Putin and Assad. And this follows the meeting in uh, the negotiations, the mediated negotiations and the diplomatic uh, rapprochement between uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran negotiated by China in Beijing just last week. And so now we have uh, the the next big diplomatic victory forming, which will be diplomatic uh, relations restored between Turkey and Syria and what would be an effective end to the conflict in Syria, with the exception of this uh, U.S.-occupied northeastern region in Syria, which is going to be very alone and very isolated. So another big diplomatic win in the making. Is that what we're seeing yes. in Moscow? That is that is exactly what we're seeing. And if you go to the Russian media today, if you go even to TASS, the official news agency, it's all about this. It's exactly what you said. It's about Assad has gone to Moscow because Putin wants to talk to him about setting up this meeting with Erdogan. We've been hearing a lot about this for a long time, but clearly now there's a big push being made to seal the deal, to get Erdogan and Assad together, to seal the rapprochement between Syria and Turkey. And as you absolutely rightly say, this comes directly after the rapprochement between Iran and Saudi Arabia. There's talk of a summit meeting of Russia, Syria, Turkey and Iran. So Syria will be, in effect, joining the Astana group itself. And the Chinese mediated the deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia. The Russians are mediating the deal between Syria and Turkey. And I have to say, I think it's now on the cards. It's irreversible. Even if Erdogan loses the elections in May, which I don't believe, by the way, but even if he does, I think this is a done thing. I think that in the next few weeks, probably very soon, we will see this big meeting, those four leaders coming together, the Raisi, Putin, uh, Erdogan and Assad. There'll be a meeting of all of them and it will be the final agreement bringing together Turkey and Iran, ending the Syrian war, isolating, as you say, the United States and that sliver of territory. It and its Kurdish proxies control in eastern Syria and bringing the conflict in Syria to an end. It seems like Russia and uh, China are... Uh are solving or are trying, at least, they're attempting to to solve most of the problems in the region. Yes, in, in the Middle exactly. East and in and in the in the wider, let's say, Middle East Eurasian uh, region. I mean, yeah, is that I what it looks that... like to you? Because it seems like we're seeing a puzzle being put together. Yes, I think that's exactly what we're seeing. I, I mean, you know, Lavrov about a year and a half ago actually spoke openly about Team China-Russia. <laughs> and we see it working. We see how it works. We see Wang Yi uh, um, brokering this peace between the Saudis and the Iranians. We see the Russians, Lavrov, Putin, brokering this deal between the Turks and the Syrians. And, of course, the two rapprochements, the two deals interlock. It stabilises 
the north, the northern Middle East, and um, it it does try to resolve the historic tensions and problems that have built up for so long over this region. And coming back to a program we did a few days ago, when the Syrian, well, the, the the Iranian uh, Saudi rapprochement happened. I think that the fact that every other part of the jigsaw puzzle is being put together in the kind of way that we're seeing happen probably does open the way for the most complicated piece of the jigsaw puzzle of all to be sort of brought into position, which is Israel, Palestinians, Israel, Arabs. And I say that because the Russians and the Chinese have good relations both with the Israelis and with the Arab states, and both the Chinese and the Russians have been careful to maintain good contacts with the Palestinians as well. So this long period that started in the 1960s, when the United States was the big broker that kept everybody, you know, everybody had to talk to in the Middle East, is now definitely ending. They're being pushed aside. And, of course... The U.S. never managed to actually bring about a real peace in the Middle East. The Russians and the Chinese are coming close to doing that. And where is the U.S. now? Fixated on Ukraine? No, exactly. I mean, where is the U.S.? is trying to to fly around and, and do some diplomacy, but... Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't seem like it's going to work. Well, for one thing, what is he offering? Why would people want to listen to him? I mean, he's, he, for one thing, and I got to say this about Blinken, I mean, he's not, in truth, much of a diplomat. I mean, he's not somebody who is particularly good at listening, or at least that's my impression. He's much more, much better at lecturing than he is at listening. And um, at the same time, what can he offer all of these countries that the other side, the Chinese and the Russians, cannot? Once upon a time, the United States dominated the Middle East because, of course, it was the preeminent economic power. And also, all of these countries collectively didn't like the Soviet Union. I mean, that was a major factor. But... The Soviet Union is gone. Russia today is a very different place. China is a different place from what it used to be. And, of course, they can offer all of the economic incentives that the United States once monopolised. Now, in saying all of this, I have to say that I think that the US today benefits from peace in the Middle East, however it is achieved. I don't see that what U.S. interests are served by conflict there? I mean, we saw all the problems with, you know, jihadi terrorism in the West. I can't see how that worked to U.S. advantage. So, you know, peace in the Middle East is something that the U.S. ought to be facilitating it. But, of course, if you are not thinking about peace, if you're thinking instead about sustaining and extending U.S. global dominance, if your mindset is all about, you know, complex chess games and, uh, um, you know, pursuit of hegemony, 
If that's what you think U.S. interests are, then for you, all of this that's taking place in the Middle East now is a disaster. I think China, I read that China is going to be um, mediating some some sort of, uh, gosh, I forgot, a conference with the with the Gulf countries. No. I believe. That's right. That's right. What, what was that story to, again? Remind, remind me. Yeah, I mean, there, 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 there's the, the Chinese. Uh, apparently, this is something that Xi Jinping suggested when he was in Saudi Saudi Arabia, you know, a couple of weeks ago. He suggested that you know all the Arab countries come together, and you know he would, China would work to try and settle all the various the very complicated differences that exist between them. Remember, there's lots of problems. I mean, Saudi Arabia and Qatar have had their issues, <laughs> United Arab Emirates, and have had quarrels with Oman. Yemen, of course, is still an ongoing conflict, all kinds of things of that kind. But, you know, the Chinese can come to the region as a genuine honest broker because, well, they they are not visibly, at least not for the moment, playing the kind of complex chess games that the neocons love. And so the result is that all of these countries prefer them. <laughs> They like them. They they work prefer to work with the Chinese, who don't come with all the baggage that the neocons always do, and everybody in the end prefers to live in a peaceful and orderly world rather than a chaotic and dangerous one. If you're the Saudis, you want to maintain control of Saudi Arabia. If the United States can't guarantee that, if it's constantly creating region problems in your neighborhood, well, then you look to someone else who can. And that is true of all of the yeah. Arab states to a greater or lesser degree. Yeah, I'm looking here. Sputnik is also reporting that Iran and Bahrain are discussing the resumptions of relations in the near future well, as well, go. opening up embassies. Well there, well, there you go. So all of, all of them are coming together, finding ways of living with each other, something which the United States ought to have been trying to do all along, and because of the influence that the neocons never did. The U.S. is bogged down in uh, Ukraine, not Russia. The collective no, West is bogged true. down in Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, look at the Russians now. They're hosting Assad. <laughs> they don't look very bogged down. It's the U.S. that goes around talking about Ukraine all the time. Okay. We'll let it there at Duran.locals.com. We are on Rumble and Rockfin, Odyssey and BitChute and Telegram. And go to the Duran shop. 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.